I'm Jason Barmer, and this is the Leading Questions podcast. This is episode two, Why I Left Religion Behind, part two, which is all about the Bible. I am still amazed some days that I actually earned a Master's of Divinity at a theological seminary almost 25 years ago. Now, I have still, to this day, no clue why they call it a Master's of Divinity. What a strange name for a degree. But I got one. Uh, But those days seem really distant in some ways, and yet some of it I can remember like it was yesterday. I had an experience during my time in seminary where I was faced with a crisis of belief about the very things I was at seminary to learn about. I remember sitting in my living room on the couch, hands in my face, my Bible was open in front of me, and I was paralyzed with doubt about all of it. The creation story, the promises of an afterlife for those who believe, the question of whether or not other religions have equal validity, even the question of whether or not God is actually real. The most weighty of all was the mystery of human suffering, which I'll talk about that in part three of this series. And that issue itself just rattled me to the very foundations of my beliefs. Well, at that moment in my seminary apartment, I came to a decision that I would choose to believe what I understood the Bible to say, and then I would base my beliefs and my life on what is in that book. So if I had doubts and I could not resolve them, I would simply default to what I understood the Bible to say. However, in the weeks and months following that, I was haunted by a question that I could not shake. Why did the Bible deserve this kind of loyalty and trust? It was the one question I could not answer, and it still plagued me as I went from one class to the next in seminary, learning all kinds of theology and doxology and all the stuff that goes along with it. About 10 years ago, long after I had left full-time church ministry work, I faced down that question with severe honesty, and I decided that I would live with the answer. The thing that troubled me the most for all of those years came to the surface, and that's this. The only reason the Bible had my trust was because the Bible itself told me that it was to be trusted. So I realized I was allowing the Bible to validate itself. And that was one of the pivotal moments that just changed everything for me. So I was taught by my family and mentors in my upbringing that this collection of writings that we know of as the Bible came from God and existed to make me a better disciple of the faith. But as I learned more, I saw how carefully curated the Bible's message had been. For those who grew up in the church, there's a separate narrative that stands above the actual Bible. And this is important to understand. It's a collection of passages and ideas from the writings of Scripture that tell a specific story about who God is, who we are, and why we exist. Well, this meta-story is sure to only include 
only include verses and, and passages that support that narrative, while ignoring other passages that may damage certainty among followers. So each religious community has their own unique brand of this narrative. But for the most part, it's pretty similar within each denomination, each type of church, and it's important and it serves a purpose, and that's to keep the followers from all the troubling questions about theology that could disrupt the sense of security that that narrative provides. Now, obviously, it's important to piece together a larger understanding of what a book like the Bible means for a community that relies so heavily on it, but it's the ignored parts of the Bible that I find so troubling in this effort to paint an attractive picture of the Bible's message. Two glaring examples have stood out to me over the years, among many others. One example is the acceptance of human slavery as a fact of life, not as an institution of society to be overthrown and abolished. I was always taught how noble the message of the New Testament was and its admonishment to be kind to their slaves, but the obvious point here is that the Bible never actually condemns the practice of owning another human being as a slave. For me, it was as if someone turned on the lights in a messy room and I realized the implications here. I mean, if this was a divinely inspired book, why was something like this not addressed? Was God being just really sensitive to the society, to the culture at large? That makes no sense. And I've heard all of the standard answers to this question of why Slavery wasn't condemned in the Bible, but all those answers have left me completely unsatisfied. I haven't heard anything that really helped me overcome my concern, my frustration with that. A second example in the Bible is the seeming disregard for certain kinds of suffering and death, as long as it fit the purposes of God or God's followers. So whether it be the drowning of millions of human beings in the story of the Great Flood, the eternal torment of unbelievers, the uh, sanctioned slaughter of enemies, including their children in the Old Testament. I mean, all of it. I mean, to read those accounts is morally unsettling, to say the least. And to remain a Christian and to believe those stories only left me with a completely unmoored understanding of what it means for an act to be good. If my definition of good is to come from the divine being described in the Bible, then I'm left with a very confusing double standard. So once I stopped viewing the Bible as a deified collection of writings never to be questioned, I was able to see the flaws in it. And I was no longer afraid of the phrase, the Bible says, because I knew that the Bible doesn't say anything by itself. Religious leaders interpret it and often use their interpretation as the cattle prod needed to keep the herd in place. There was so much more in the Bible that left me in a state of theological dissonance, and I had to decide why I was accepting this book as authoritative in my life. So my response was to take the Bible down from an exalted place and set it next to other imperfect religious writings and spiritual writings that teach many important principles for living life, but also containing a troubling mix of ideas that 
should not be ignored when determining the value of those writings for human life. I'd love to hear your comments at my website, leadingquestions.blog, and uh, see what you have to say about it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we talk about part three, the problem of evil. Thanks for listening.